You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. Talking about calling the dogs. Man, alive. How old were you? Under 10, I'm sure. Under 10? Under 10, oh, yeah. dipping, getting sick. First dip, under 10 years old. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the most Alabama it. thing I think, I think I ever heard. That's one way to break them. That's <laughs> true. So you're telling me is I need to let my kids try it yeah. now, yeah, now, so that they're like, gets, uh, well, uh, like you said, you don't never forget it. That's true. And then it's <laughs> telling you, man. I even to this day I cannot smell mint. Uh, you know what gets me is peach, peach flavored stuff like uh, peach rings. Or some peach teas have this. It's like an artificial peach flavor. Same thing that they would put in like a peach skull. Really? I remember when I was, when I was. I mean, when you're in high school, tobacco's kind of like drugs, right? Like you just take oh, yeah. whatever you can get. You don't really care. You don't have a type. You know. I'll try like, that. I'll try it. Yeah. So we had uh, that peach skull, and it had just come out. And the first time I tried it, I thought it tasted like candy until I threw it up. <laughs> I still can't smell that. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Anyways, enough about dipping. We need to talk about that crap. Nasty old habit, but we are uh, post-season, post-Alabama season. It's February the 13th. It's been over three days. Jamie said uh, you felt like in Alabama we were getting punished this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we were living around. punishing us. Last year, abundance of acorns. <laughs> Ain't never seen it in my life, that many acorns. And this year, zero, none. If you're lucky enough, find an acorn tree by a week, it was all gone. All gone. All them people gripe last year about too many acorns. I don't want to hear a word ever again about it. 
Well, you're looking at one of them. <laughs> hey, uh, and you know what's funny uh, is we, we've got it on, like, recorded proof about Jamie talking about about the acorn crops last year. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, we're sitting right, right here. Yeah. Sitting right here in the same spot. I said, Jamie, last year was rough for you. What are you going to be? What are you going to do different this year? And you're like, well, hopefully, hopefully we don't have <laughs> many as many acres on the ground. I believe God heard your your cries. <laughs> You've done that to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, recorded proof. <laughs> oh, hey, it worked out great for you. Yeah, you good, kill great it. job, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. You got to kill a nice one. Yeah, yeah it was tough, tough, tough. <laughs> oh, I don't know how many. Days. Did you figure your days up total? I went back and counted. Cause now you have to check in and check out on your WMAs, and I think it. I think I made a post. I think I killed one on day thirty-six and day or thirty-five, thirty-six, or thirty-six or thirty-seven days of hunting. That's not straight, but that's check in, check out. That's total sits. Yeah. Well, that's a bunch of days. Way more than most folks. Say that one more time. I think I misheard. Either thirty-six or thirty-seven days of hunting. Before I even shot the first deer. Before you shot the first one. Now, I let one go Thanksgiving week that was pretty nice deer, but that is the only shooter I'd seen up to that time. And these come only uh, three weeks later, something like that. So, and you shot two two bucks within a 12-hour a window. Yep. One, one at last light and the other one the next morning, I think about 8.30. Golly. That's a cool feeling. Yeah. Have you done that before? Uh, probably. Because <laughs> he's, he's the most successful guy Let's I know. Let's see. You know, I know <laughs> assistant guy I know at Blackwood. I know, I know that one year, man, I was moping hard. And then all of a sudden it was, I think I killed a 10. And then turned around and killed uh I know I killed one, one ten. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I killed the ten in December on forest, forest land, and then I think uh, a last gun hunt not far from that time frame. I killed the eight, and then turned around on another public land and killed a, a big nine that year. Yeah, dude, it, it's a, uh, it's it's interesting. I, I know you guys. A lot of people know who you are. They really respect you. Is I. I consider myself in that group of people that that feels that way about y'all but um whenever i see on and t just talking to you and i see that the season is is tough for you um it kind of it, it it i'll be honest with you it does make me feel a little bit better <laughs> about things you know I, i'm like well you know mike and jamie are still having a pretty tough time like it's they're they're talking about how rough it's been like Maybe maybe it actually is rough right now, and it's not oh, just me. Oh, I had me. a couple of people like, oh, you having a tough time? He said, man, that makes me feel better. <laughs> like, man, it was tough. It was a – it's hard, and we talked about it last year. We talked about um, in this same postseason podcast with y'all, we talked about um, acorn crop. Like, we would rather have uh, not enough acorns than too many because too many makes it really, really hard to hunt. Right. Man, I'm telling you, like, this year. Ooh. That's look nice. Look at that. I'm going to have some live music for this podcast. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it, it it makes it um, 
It definitely makes it hard harder to hunt low deer density areas, especially low deer density areas like uh, North Alabama. You know, I think Louisiana would be probably in that same same wheelhouse. Part a lot of parts of the southeast that are just a little bit lower. Um, Got the big woods. I would rather have I'd rather have what we had this year. I, I feel like if somebody were to ask me, I would say, oh, yeah, I'd rather have none than too many. But now, postseason, looking at it, I'm like, no, absolutely not. I would way rather have too many. Yeah, you had to change. Everything I've done in the summer leading up for this year, you'd just squash all it. I felt like I have just wasted my time. Yeah. So I had to go and refine what these boogers are feeding on. Yep. And, uh, and it was just strictly browse. And it was unreal what you'd actually find them feeding on. What was what was some of the things that you were that you're finding like that seemed to be like consistent every time you passed whatever this type of browse it was always. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't narrow it down like it. You didn't feel like you put any like a real pattern on it. You I just... had to change up. We uh, cutovers. I started folks. I was like, man. I... Everything I've been sitting on bow hunting ain't done no good, so it rolled over on the muzzleloader week. I said, I'm, I'm finna go check some cutovers out. And I rattled that week, and I, I thought, well, I'm finna have a good season. I think I seen five or six bucks that week. I think uh, an eight, a seven, a spike, a six, and one more deer and I thought man I, this is going to be alright <laughs> same cut over <laughs> I didn't see nothing else I had a similar thing happen where opening day I saw a buck it wasn't a big buck but it was a buck you know how many bucks I can, I've seen on opening day of archery season not very many <laughs> you don't see a whole lot of them and I saw one opening day on that first set and I was like that's right it's going to be a good year <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a teaser yeah no it showed up wasn't but um nice. but you did end up making it happen on a heck of a of a buck two pretty nice ones one of them though like a one of them the slammer yeah a slammer one of them was the longest shot i've ever made and i've got to go back and range it but by on x was dropping your straight line 290 yards oh yeah yeah i ain't never hit nothing that far <laughs> no maybe all i hit it it was leg bone because we was in a club down south and i found leg bone off of it when this in here just uh i'll take them high and get them just sheer luck That's when cool. you're hunting big woods though there's not a lot of opportunity to shoot no normally super far normally i'm shooting them 100 and less yeah some of them a lot of them's in bow range and when I set my scope, I don't set it 100 yards. I'll set mine at 25 because uh -huh. I have had my old rifle had uh, see-through mounts on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was actually a 10 I killed, but I was like, man, I'm going to shoot this deer. He might have been 40 yards. And I was just kind of quartering toward me. I was going to shoot him, punch him right in the chest. Man, this deer done lit out to run and stop in front of me. And I down to one shell by then. I was shucking. <laughs> It was a bolt action. I said, I got to make this and count. And I shot him. And I'm trying to watch him. I reload watching him. And I, I done went to panic mode. Then he falls down the ridge. That's okay. I get down there and I just burn him right down the brisket. Might have broke a little bit of meat. So 
I went to measuring scope down to my barrel. And I said, I don't know why. Why? I think it's like an inch and a half, mm-hmm. inch and somewhere in there. Within two inches and down, I said, well, that's got to be them see-through mounts on that gun. But anyway, I went back and reset my scope. I don't, man, I, it, I typically, I'll sight my gun in for about 100, 100 yards. But I, I mean, I missed one this year at like 10 yards with a rifle. So, I mean, there's always that. Um, but most of my most of my shots aren't a whole lot different with a rifle than they are a bow right. as far as distance-wise. But So, Mike, you, uh, which I, I like this too. I love like kind of the postseason. We ought to make this th- an annual thing. Like I call a, it preseason now, but yeah, it's yeah. Pre-season. Just kind of looking back at the season. Oh yeah. Um, we get to hold Jamie accountable for stuff that he said on the last one. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Your deer is gonna take two years to recover, get their bodies back just because you jinxed them on the acres. Man, I, ho- I hope. <laughs> what What did that that big buck that you killed? What did he weigh? I think he dressed a hundred and twenty. I think might not even been that big. But uh, I think 120. But his frame of his body, <clears throat> on a good year, he's 200-pound deer. Yeah. I mean, he's long, lanky, and just – and you can see the skin sagging on him, but, man. Uh, I killed uh, – the biggest buck that I killed this year, I'll bet he wasn't 120 pounds, like live weight. Wow. Joker was little, little bitty thing. Um, <laughs> but, Mike, you – uh. You had a different season. Everybody knows you for hunting black warrior. You know, you shot that state record buck last year, and so you, it's going to be hard for you to ever get away from that. Like, what the heck? Mike didn't kill a state record buck every year? What's going on? <laughs> hey. you, had to, you had to kind of branch out and think outside the box a little bit well, this year. I, I, I try to do that some every year, really, and uh, even with Kathy, it might not just be me, but, yeah, it was it was tough. Now, Kathy had a chance at a big one. I mean – probably 140s pretty early then uh i passed up a 10 point to uh probably he might be three year old but i had him on camera and I just so happened i recognized him and I, I passed him up i had a good deer close i just couldn't see him I had a doe in heat acting crazy and uh, i could see the 10 point you could tell he wanted to come down there to where she's at but he wasn't so something was holding him out so i know it was a big buck just couldn't see it that's something i'd figured out they gotten them where mountain law thickets that they liked they were in them things and they were eating them suckers and they were staying in them tight so i could see into the thickets a little bit and see the doe a doe would come out when it was in heat mess i guess he might have pushed her out a big butt but anyway they just i never could get no shot and they ended up easing, easing off they stayed there in front of me for probably an hour and a half eating them laurel stuff so and i went back after the last hunt and went in there and actually looked more and they were in there tight so it was I guess from what pressure they was, they found some laurel thickets and stayed there. Didn't move much, even though does were in heat, and they just kind of conserved her. How big? How big of laurel thickets are you talking? Like, this <laughs> one probably run for a half a mile or more. This one yeah. does. So, but it was it was more in the bottom. You know, the the two things hardest was no acorns, and then that drought we had there. So it dried everything up on the tops. So they kind of moved into the bottoms more feeding to me is what I was seeing. Yeah. And that makes it a little bit tougher with the wind. <laughs> wind situation is if you try to get too close to them in the bottom, the wind switches swirls, whatever, you're in trouble. So it made it a little bit tougher. We've seen several. And then I was sick. I didn't hunt for nearly a month from being in the hospital for food poison. So. That'll set you back a little bit. Yeah, it set me back <laughs> a pretty good bit. So 
but uh but it ended up being pretty cool for you i mean you got Killed three bucks. Three bucks on three different WMAs, yeah, right? Three different WMAs. Two of them was four and a half. One was three and a half. Called two of them in. Called one in with a tree stand. Called one in with some antlers. So, <laughs> so the one with the tree stand was pretty cool, but I went to uh, Sam Murphy. I I got a tree there that I found crap. I don't know. It was, I was probably 25 or 26, but I went back there last year and found it, and I barely can get my summit stand around it. I, matter of fact, it makes me nervous because I got it let all the way out. Them things were on the last on night. the last chain. Last night. Last so I put Ain't my nothing I, else to catch you. Yeah, <laughs> I put my harness on at the ground and climb up with it. But I went there, scouted the week before, and found fresh tracks right in front of it. One good set of buck tracks. And the next hunt they were having, I was working nights, and I worked off that Friday morning at seven o'clock. Drove there and got there, and was climbing up a tree at ten and. It's a big old water oak, and when you climb up, you know how you stand, kind of feel funny. You feel like it's going to slip a little bit, so it would do a just like a little riding horse. I'd stop, and I look, and I always climb with my gun around my neck, loaded, you know, because I've had other situations happen. Well, I got about five, four foot from where I was going to hunt at, and it done clicked about twice, and I done a last little click. And I thought, what is that? And I heard something come trotting, and I'll turn around and get that gun off, knock my hat off, and his butt come in there with head twirling looking to fight and I'd already told myself I had killed one deer already and we were, we're low on meat and I said I told my wife hey well, Sam Murphy they don't care you can kill a spike you can kill two deer a day they're on that's about the only imaginary you can kill two deer a day all season now so anyway I seen the rat come in there and about 10 yards I busted him so so he come into rattling tree stand or popping tree stand so it was pretty cool you know uh it's actually a pretty cool tactic that I've seen work quite a bit um when you do it on purpose obviously that's not necessarily on purpose but just right. well i was trying to control it because you you know just holding my pressure down where, where we're just barely you mm-hmm. know where it wasn't making that real loud metal sound or something it sounded kind of like antlers popping a little bit so i've seen i've seen more since i started making noise with grunts or rattling you know if i rattle in a tree i'll just like rake the bark mm-hmm. of that tree with those rattling antlers some I can tell you, before I started doing that calling, I would have told you calling doesn't really bring in a deer on a blind call, whether you're rattling or grunting. Just because I'd never seen it, I would say like, eh, it doesn't. I don't have good success with that. This is Alabama; it don't happen here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But once I started doing that, I mean, man, I started really doing it a lot. Probably the last three years, maybe. Like, I'll get real aggressive with it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to tell you. I've, most of the bucks that I've killed in Alabama have been after within right. 15 minutes of a mm-hmm. grunting sequence, where I really get right. real fired yeah. up. I feel a lot better doing a grunting sequence blind than I do rattling sequence. Mm-hmm. So I've done some rattling when I hear something or see something, and I think, well, it's not not coming my way or whatever. So that's why I killed the one at Freedom Hill. Just doing like doing one like that. Heard something. A few minutes later, I heard you know when the squirrels bark at deer. They'll do a, you know, and sometimes they're just doing it themselves. But so I heard that a couple times. I said something down there. It could be a deer or something. Anyway, I get a few minutes and then just a light rattle. I waited about 30 minutes and got a little bit hard. And uh, within 10 minutes, I seen something moving. And he was. It was kind of a perfect scenario because most time they're gonna a mature one. That's the maturest one I've killed rattling. They're gonna try to get downwind of you somehow. 
the way I was set up was on this point. The bet, I figured he was betting at the end of the point. Well, he come around that point, and it was a high, it was a straight down like bluff line, and he come on a little shelf around there trying to get downwind, and there was no way to him get downwind without me seeing him. So anyway, it worked out perfect. I shot him at 40 yards, but it was he was sneaking. So that most of the time, if I ever called a big one in rattling, they got me. Most of the time, they get me in that dang wind before you see him because they slipped because he done made it 70 yards without me seeing anything until he was within 40 yards of me. So. And clear woods, basically. So. I notice both of you guys, it seems like uh, Alabama's maybe a little bit different from other states in that we have these gun hunt weekends where if somebody listening to this doesn't know this, this is how Alabama works. You get every WMA has a different schedule, but there'll be, what, what would you say average is, like four days? Most of them now is four days. They start Thursday through Sunday. Thursday most, through most Sunday of, yeah. of gun hunts. But you can hunt these WMAs with a bow right. whenever you want to right. in between those hunts. Now, I don't see – I know, Mike, you killed one with a bow during rifle season, correct? That big one you killed oh, with yeah, a bow yeah. a couple of years back? Yeah, it was around Thanksgiving. But I noticed that both of y'all, once rifle season opens, I don't see a whole lot of deer that you kill with a bow. Is that because y'all are <coughs> chasing them, like going to different WMAs every weekend? Uh, or is it because you're – the, just not going during those times or it's because they changed the dates up on us and we used to <laughs> have that time frame of bow hunting all the way up to november the 19th when it used to open up statewide with a rifle now it's like i got now muzzleloader starts up first because in the zones we hunt it starts uh this year it was like october the 31st through the fourth or fifth was muzzleloader week and then you ride into a gun hunt and it's hard to lay down a rifle on one side to go bow hunt somewhere else so that's why i really hadn't shot nothing i feel like it's tucked my bow out of my hand but well this year they got us know. bad because they, they've done a youth hunt early and they closed both sides you couldn't you couldn't even yeah, bow hunt anything Saturday, on the other you side you couldn't even go bow hunting nowhere so, uh, you could hunt other public land or right. forest land or something like that but not nothing you had plans for her. Yeah. Well, it's a cool part about Alabama <laughs> in that, I mean, it, it, this is, a, I, th I, would, I would say Alabama is a pretty high-pressured state. Um, oh, yeah. Any given WMA on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you out there, there's going to be a lot of people there. Right. But once rifle season opens up and these WMAs start going to doing their gun hunt weekends, really starts really, pressure starts getting really slim and a lot of these WMAs during the gun hunts, or during the, when it's not gun hunt time, you can have a lot of it to yourself, which is yeah. a pretty cool aspect of Alabama that I don't think. Yeah, it kind of depends. But a yeah. lot of non-residents probably don't realize that. When when we talk about high pressure, we're typically talking about, during the gun hunts, it's going to be very, yeah. very high pressure anywhere you go. But um, I want to talk a little bit about this. Uh, I do got to say, I do, like early season between gun hunts i'll bow hunt if i'm off but once them we on them weekends once they start them weekend hunts we get through with the black warrior rut hunts then we'll move chasing rut through the other management areas but during the week because i got a funky schedule where i work i can be off during the week and i'll bow hunting in the weeks and every now and then i'll kill one like that during the, after halloween or something like that but it's it's generally about every three or four years before i get a shot with a you know with, because the pressure done been on so much that it's hard to get them close, especially the mature ones. So, but yeah, it's a the pressure. 
this year, black water was tough first couple weeks. Then that's normal. They, they they'll be all fired up, get out there, and after they get the butts handed to them. Oh, you talking about on the archery? <laughs> well, you even know the gun hunt. So. Oh, I was gonna say, boy, that first couple weeks. First couple archery, weeks, you yeah. Thought it was a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody figured out them. That, that, thought it was that, a pot of gold under a stump out there, and everybody was trying to look for it. Yeah, Man, it was. Yeah, you couldn't get on a green everywhere. They were stake. They were staking out greenfields day ahead of time. <laughs> Cars were and stuff. It's funny. Because I figured out when them acorns wasn't available, the only acorns that was, we forgot about the solitudes, because the solitudes were there for a little bit. Their solitude tree had somebody sitting by it. Hey guys, as most of you know, censorship for hunters and anglers is completely out of control. So we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat the mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're actually encouraged on Go Wild. They give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting other friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, like gift cards, free stuff like knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit GoWild.com to get started. Six Day Grind Coffee Co. is made for people like you. The ones out there grinding to reach your goals every single day. Whether it's 3 a.m. wake-up calls to get into the woods or just getting through your workday, a good cup of high-quality coffee to start your day is imperative. When you buy from Six Day Grind, you not only get a great bag of premium roasted coffee, you also have the opportunity to support conservation through their Coffee for Your Cause program, where 10% of your purchase goes to the conservation organization of your choice check out sixdaygrindcoffeeco.com today. That's the word six, followed by daygrindcoffeeco.com. Did, uh, I'm curious to know, because I don't, did y'all see a lot of deer getting killed because it was such a low acre year? Did you see a lot of deer getting killed on greenfields, on public land? To start out bow hunting, they had a lot of shots, but it didn't take long where they kept them off them until yeah. after dark. So. I've never seen so many deer feeding on the side of the roads and look <laughs> at you as you drove by and never right. moved. Yeah. Uh, but not WMA, but I know a lot of the public land around, not public, let me back up, private land that you could bait. Yeah, yeah. Man, it was killing some toads on it with a bow. Mm -hmm. With bows, during bow sales. Jeez. Yeah. It, it, man, it, it's so crazy when you, but you guys, y'all are both older than I am. But I'm 30, 32 years old, right? And I'm thinking about 32. all the uh, old man. Old man. Or son. young man, maybe. Yeah, I got a son, 31. <laughs> <that's big. laughs> you can be my daddy. <laughs> yeah. me. Grandpa. <laughs> yeah, grandpa. Um, I, man, I don't even remember what I was saying, dadgummit. That's <laughs> good about being young. Huh? Yeah, yeah. No, I remember I was going to say, I'm 32 years old, and um, – as you as you start really putting things together, like I feel like I'm, you could look back and have these years like this that really stick out that were really really um, low acorn years. I hadn't really had one of those that was this bad that I can look back on and draw <laughs> information from. You know what I mean? Like, right. well, that year it was just like this, and the deer seemed to be doing that, so it felt like I was constantly having to figure out new things that I hadn't had to figure out yet. Um, 
and, and really pay attention to where I was seeing deer and seeing sign, which was a lot more unconventional this year than what mm-hmm. it has been in the past. Is year one of you guys – first off, have you – have you seen years like this? Did you have something to draw from, and yeah. was it accurate? In 2000, we had zero acorns like this, but we wasn't in a drought. We had good food plots. So this year we had no acorns, and the food plots was really, really late about greening up, and and it was just. And then and then around I, about I, Christmas I they thought, all froze up. <laughs> I had thought, boy, I'm finna. I know where I'm headed. <laughs> Man, I went all the way in there, and that field looked like dirt. Gosh. Was there anything else? Like I know you mentioned a while ago talking about you felt like a lot of the deer were really tied into those clear cuts and they weren't doing much else. Was that something that you drew from that season? No, no. I was young back in, too. I was just lucked up on the one I killed then, but I do remember that year. Yeah. This is the first year I've I don't know. I I asked you before about hickory nuts. I didn't see a hickory nut one out there. Them poor old squirrels. Early October, we're toting pine cones as far as they told them to get them staged up, I guess, because I've never seen a hickory nut one. That's the first year I can remember not seeing a hickory nut, so it's yeah, been a weird year. It was hickory nuts that year. There were some? I think uh, so. Now, not this year. Yeah, there was not this year. I wasn't a day gum acting for anything. There was a few red oaks that fell early that were smaller, but they got yeah, kind they of quick. Yeah, they were stunning bad. Yeah, so. Y'all know, you know Danny Hall. I yeah. think you know Danny Hall. Do you yeah. know Danny? No. Um, there's a local guy here, and we were talking the other day, and he was telling me that that oak trees do like a seven day re- or a seven year reset. I've never heard of this, and uh, uh, but that they it's it's almost like uh like it's almost one of those things like how could you not believe in God when you see that these oak trees have like every seven years they just don't produce. It's like they have a Sabbath. I think Wild Oaks like <laughs> Danny Hall was telling me this, yeah. and now and it, and it, it I felt like I've heard it before, yeah. and I'm interested to see if it has any. Have y'all heard that before? I you ever heard I've that? heard something about Wild Oaks doing that. I well, don't know. If we can remember seven years from now. <laughs> yeah, keep seven. up with. It. We'll look again. Yeah, I don't think it, it's been longer than seven years though since it's been. Yeah, two thousands. The last yeah. time I remember, we didn't have acres. Yeah, I, I was red, ten years old. Yeah. Because the red oak take two thousand. You didn't know them gonna be a hunter yet. <laughs> I know. I, was just a, yeah. I killed my first deer that year. Wow. In Alabama. At ten year old. At ten years old, I yeah. killed my first deer. I killed my I was, first deer at a twenty something year old. Twenty sixteen. Good. But uh, the red that. oaks it takes two years for red oak to mature out, right? Oh. I, I think that's what <laughs> I read that, and somebody else confirmed that it they grow for two years before they drop. So we might really? not have no red oaks next year because them little ones are stunted. So. Well. Unless the drought, drought made them fall the year before they matured out or something. I know we ain't had no red oaks in be two years in a row now. I mean, there were some that failed, but a little bitty. the the caps was bigger than the acorn yep. itself. I mean, it was small. You'd yeah. swear up down, it was a pin oak. Yeah, and a deer was eating them up. They have gobbled them things up. So. so we talked about whether or not you have you were drawing information from this year. I think I said it on a recent podcast. Years like this really make me feel like I, um, I was forced to learn new things. You know, like where maybe first week of December usually has been really, really, really good to me. It wasn't this year, but I, I hunted a full seven days in that first week of December. I, I retained a whole lot of information that I wouldn't normally had it been like 
just right on the money. You know what I mean? Right. And so um, I'm interested to know if you guys learned anything. Like if you if there's something that you can look back from this year and say, if we ever have a year that's similar, this is what I'm going to do. How, you, Michael, do you have any? I'm going to keep kind of doing the same strategy. The biggest thing is, is to take from Jamie is don't give up. Hang in there and stick with it. Crap, it could happen at any time. He'd kill two in whatever, four hours, where it was. But <laughs> two, longer than four two hours. Two in yeah. four hours. Well, one like me, climbed up a tree. I ain't even got up a tree you know, and killed one, you know. And be, be prepared if, like, say me and Jamie, which Jamie's more picky than I am, we're pretty picky on our main man area about what we're going to shoot. But be flexible and be ready to go to a different place, you know, later on and chase the rut. So don't get too frustrated because there's a lot of other places you can go, you know, later on. So, so don't get too frustrated early. And, and then write, I write this stuff down, and I look through my journal, and I couldn't find anything that was that bad. And you know, I wrote it down this year right about how bad it was with Akron. So, and the little slide. Big right, bold letters. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> bad. <laughs> per Jamie. <laughs> All right. But, so, so going a lot, right? I, I definitely feel like that. I, I, yeah. I tagged out this year and had some other opportunities and. I felt like that was a hundred percent because I just yeah. went. I just yeah. went a lot. And don't give up and pay kinda of pay attention like the drought stuff. If you're hunting hills, mountainous country, whatever, the tops will be the brows on the tops will get hurt first because it you know, it's more exposed to the sun and the bottoms will stay wetter longer so the brows will survive a little bit longer. So kinda of be able to adjust to that and then be able to be ready to move, you know. If it's that bad, if it's completely different from what you're used to hunting or different tactic, be ready to move, you know, burn a day, you know, scouting instead of hunting or two or whatever you need. So, and then uh, be prepared if you can go somewhere else that's got a different different type of terrain or different type of habitat, more cutover. So that's the only thing about black warriors, they ain't that much cutover. So if everybody goes to the cutover there, you won't be able to hunt because they'll be <laughs> orange hats. Talking about cutovers, we weren't recording when you said this, but you definitely said that this year you felt like cutovers was like a, a key. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the pines, The one of the forestry ladies told me if it's been marked, it's going to be cut. They've sold the cut. And they've cut a lot in certain areas. You just got to get out and find them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, is there any mapping software that you've found that is better? Uh, no, it's just about getting in that truck. Just got to go and, and see And it. going from turkey hunting because you got to travel a lot turkey right. hunting. Uh, that's where you do a lot of your scouting at, that's or right. I do. Because right. turkey hunting forces me, because that old gobbler, he's going to be over here, over there, where I normally ain't going to go over and deer hunt. you got these certain areas you like to hunt. This is where I killed a uh, big boy 20 years ago, and I like to hang out in there because I feel like the genetics. But the turkey hunting, I'm all over all the w, what WMAs or public land I go to. I'm all over it. So it's forcing you to go in new areas, and I'm... Even though I'm turkey hunting, man, I'm looking for deer sign and right. that. But this year it was like, if you're content sitting in the tree and not seeing nothing, uh, if that's your thing, but I had to go. I had to get out and scout, give up a day here or there. Bluff gaps has always been the thing that you've talked about pretty strongly. Did that uh, prove to be something that wasn't necessarily as worth your time this year, or did you still use that? No, because I really felt like they wasn't traveling that much. They was staying, well, like he's saying, staying tucked tight to the thickets and not moving out of them. Uh, I was going through that one cut over one morning, and I done jumped two deer, and I was like, man, I, I'm not going to the edge over and look off off on the creek bottom on top of the bluff, so I'm staying up in here. Some, you know, these deer are in here. 
and I climbed and didn't see nothing huh. at all. But I don't know if he was doing it at night and then tucking up somewhere else, or maybe I bumped them all out when I was easing through. But uh, definitely the mountain laurel. I've never even looked at the mountain laurels for a, a food source till this year. And man, I got <clears throat> you can. I mean very easy to look down now they wouldn't really per se hitting the ones that's chest high and head high the ones about knee high and right. shorter they was wearing it out yeah. biting them off i mean you can see i mean it very visible would mountain laurel be considered like woody brows it would it be some kind of woody waxy brows i don't know what yeah. kind of protein or benefit of they ain't sure what's wearing but it, it stays green yeah you're right. right right yeah and i never thought about it well i run one camera on the bluff that i pulled a couple of weeks ago and a couple of bucks was walking a trail, but I had several does coming straight from the bluff right off that mountain. So when I pulled that camera, my buddy, uh, he wanted to go around one. I said, well, go around that one point. And he said, well, I ain't going that way, we, because I've done seen it. So I'm going this way. So I got out on the mountain laurel and off the main trail, and I'm walking the edge of the bluff around. And, man, it was unreal. The droppings all through it. So they mm -hmm. was wearing it out. And cedar, cedars. They eating cedars, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had pictures of one buck this year. I think it was January. He was sprouting on a cedar, young cedar tree just eating far out of it. Really? Time, time, uh, five shot burst camera and just you can see him eating it. So, and my dad had always told there, me. Uh, uh, Freedom Hills in the cut over. And that was a young pine. He's eating the pine needles. Yeah. They eat pine, green pine needles. Yeah. Yeah. Charles killed one when they popped his jaw open to, to check his age and a bunch of pine needles fell out of his mouth. Green pine needles. I mean. So, it may be the dip. That may be their dip. Yeah, yeah, that mini dip. He's a dipper. He's a dipper. That's, I mean, that's crazy. He's getting though. hungry to eat pine That's hungry, man. But, but yeah, there might be some kind of benefit to it. We don't know. They just don't do it unless they have to. Yeah. You know? So there's a bunch of stuff deer will eat out there, so they're going to survive. So just I, adjust a little bit. So remember, pine needles, cedar, mountain laurel. <laughs> so there's one green thing. Green pine needles. There's one thing that has, Oh, Go ahead. Pine thickets. Man, I love getting in pine thickets because yeah. of the greenery yeah. and uh, the honeysuckle that grows up through it. That's right. I, I went up to the refuge this year scouting because I'm thinking about doing a little bow hunting over there in the future, and I spent all day. I'm looking this wide open camera. I said, I ain't seeing it. Now, I seen a group of look like seven flags take off, and I finally made it to a, a uh, come out into a uh, power line. I said, okay, here's some browse right here. There's rubs up and down this power line. So I'm walking down it looking, and then I jump a buck in the doe. Well, let me back. I know it was a buck. The other deer I didn't get to see. I seen the other one's rack, and he run off. So I'm going down, and I see where he's pinching them down. I drop a pin there. I'm going on through. And they were in this one field out, and I go through, and there's they're big mature pines. <clears throat> so I walked out in it, and, man, at the browse was growing up through it, and, and it had the that one little section of pines had the best sign that I've seen that whole day over walking. And I and and when I walked out, I was like, man, I need to find some pine thickets over in this area. And then when I made it back to the truck, I looked where the power line come across. I said, man, there's pine thicket right there, but I'm wore out. I'm not going in there today. But pine thickets holds a lot of browse. Yeah. Now, now... There's two different things a guy can think of when he thinks about a pine thicket, and they're both different, really. In in this browse, right? I mean, you've got like your like your new pines, you know, an old clear cut with planted pines in it yeah. that are 
however many years old. And those are thick. I mean, yeah. real dense. You can't hardly walk through them, but deer love them. They'll bed in them. Then you got what I think you're talking about, like the tall pines with the understories all grown up and briars and the honeysuckles. Very mature pines, probably yeah. 20, 25 foot. Uh, and those are hit or miss, right? Because right. sometimes you find those big pine thick or uh big mature pines and it's going to be just wide open yeah, yeah i think it has to be the one that's been manicured yeah been thin manicured mm-hmm. and it's just naked to the ground but up the sun can get through if you walk through and look real close in between the yeah. pine needles the big greenery is sticking yeah. up about about an inch or two out of, out yeah. of the needles yeah, that that's lo- what i like brows, that low brows they'll get that if you ain't looking good you'll miss that they'll get that they mm-hmm. love that stuff but that there over there had a lot of small privet running inside these yeah. mature pines and it was just uh anyway it was a lot of browse that maybe other people don't pay attention to when they're walking through but i thought man this is it well the thing about mature pines like that that i've noticed a lot of people are going by what they can see on the map myself included i mean a lot of places i have not gone to probably some really good places because i couldn't see something on the map that i would have had to see in person you're talking about scouting during turkey season man i love it especially at the beginning because leaves are still still gone right. you don't have any of that new growth you can see what everything right. is during the winter time and, and i mean that's the same reason why we go post-season scouting immediately right when the season's over you're going and trying to find these spots like this turkey season just forces you to cover a lot of ground right um because you still have a pursuit on your mind you know you're willing to to cover miles but you can see which one of these are actually thickets because if it's yeah. if it's still thick in the beginning of March or the end of March when it's not green, it's probably going to be thick all deer season long. Right. So um, those are just the ones though that you got to just got to see them. Pine th- and I have yeah. seen some of those pine thickets like that be some of my favorite spots. Yeah. The map thing to me, even if you're trying to look, which I basically don't even look at them no more. But the only thing I'm looking at on the map is is train changes because. If you're mature buck hunting, I'm not. I'm looking more at the terrain and stuff. I am the, yeah, the the pines or whatever because they might not. They're gonna be in different places than the rest of the deer. So, I'm looking more at the terrain changes and different things and versus the where pines meet hardwoods on that part. So that's interesting. So because a buck, a mature buck, the nastier stuff as far as terrain is what I'm gonna try. To, to look at during turkey season or right now when me and kathy went spent five miles on some nasty like boulder field stuff just almost straight up and down but and just trying to find where the mature bucks are going because they're going to be in something completely different than the younger bucks to me and the does and stuff so that's so I'm you don't you don't that. find a, a parallel with mature bucks and uh hard line like a like hard transitions this nastier, steeper stuff. I mean, it, maybe with a shelf or something, but they don't have to have yeah that transition, but just nat- stuff you wouldn't think they'd be in. You know, it, it was all you can do to get through it like us. It was like mountain goat country or whatever, basically. So the bigger bucks, mature ones, you know. Do you feel like that kind of stuff, um, like that nastier terrain? I think they've learned it, learned, adjusted to it because over the years of pressure, I think. Just, but do you also think that it might help if you're willing to hunt it? The, just the fact that it is so nasty there's only certain ways that a deer can oh yeah it's, use it's it kinda, it's kind of limited and it's only certain ways you're going you, there's you're going to find the right way to get in there that's another thing it's hard to get access and that's why they're in there so 
you got to find that part. But it's and it, you're not going to go in there and sit and it'll be like what Jamie's done. He hunted thirty something days before he seen something big enough to hunt. It might be a, before you can catch them. You're going to be some boring days, but that's where they're going to be at. So the bigger ones, it's just going to be maybe one to two bucks if, if you're lucky to catch them early. But after Halloween, you ain't going to catch them together, I don't think. But so, but the next year stuff is what I'm looking for during turkey season. It's not, it's not specifically what you can see on them, them, them uh, satellite imaging stuff now. Most of them are two years old, whatever, so I don't even pay attention to that anymore because most of the time it's burnt runs, so I just get out and just take off walking on the roughest stuff you can walk in. So just looking for big droppings or big tracks. Big tracks, big droppings, big bucks. Yep. Right? Hopefully, yeah. Ain't that what that means? Yeah. <laughs> well, don't get confused in big old hog crap, because I'm saying that'll kind of fool you a little bit. <laughs> you can get a look. <laughs> well, I can tell you how to figure out real quick if it's a hog. Pick it up and smell it. <laughs> You'll get that barnyard smell pretty close. <laughs> well, you taste it. You taste it, don't you? Yeah, I ain't gonna tell you all that, but hey, you gotta have some secrets. <laughs> so, so, oh, find man. out what they're eating. The only way you're gonna find out what they're eating, you gotta taste it. <laughs> anyway, I I noticed this year, um, early season, and man, I thought I I had one of those another one of those moments or times where I felt like. Man, I got it figured out. I got it figured out what's what's gonna happen during the rut. I'm on. It's gonna be quick hunts. I'm gonna knock them out real quick. Wasn't the case, obviously. So this didn't work. But um, early season, I, I pinpointed the few oaks that I saw dropping. All seemed to be at a similar elevation, and they were all the ones that I found. I wasn't finding anything on the ridge tops or the flats that were dropping. Like nothing. Uh, but it really was pretty close to 100% of the ones that I hunted were going to be on that top third, mm-hmm. which is where usually that military crest runs, logging roads. Right. Um, it seemed to really set up to be awesome during the rut because we know that deer like to cruise, bucks like to cruise that, oh, yeah. that elevation. And right. I was like, man, the does are going to be on that elevation because the only acorns that are on the ground are going to be – in that elevation like everything's lining up you don't even have to know where the oak tree is just know if there's one that's dropping over here it's going to be on this elevation find that terrain feature that you're talking about find whatever it is and try to do it that way and it it, i will say the biggest buck that i killed this season um i when i first saw him he was in he was running that top third and as soon as he ran by I saw a doe that I thought was him. She was feeding on acorns on that top third. He ran by her. I don't know what the heck was going on, but mm. they were on that elevation. Ended up killing him because I rattled at 10 o'clock. He came out like three hours later from the same direction. But he had been, I believe he had just been kind of hanging out where she was feeding at uh, and eventually just out of view from me. And so it worked out one hunt. Um, did that you guys was, see anything that was similar? Early season? Was that early that, season? No, that was uh, December the twenty-first or twenty-second. Okay. Well, them deer that I've seen that that was December. I've been the first week. Anyway, you're talking about the upper third of the up, but the deer I've seen in them laurel bushes was the the bucks and stuff was on the upper third of the lower. <laughs> Basically, you know. Yeah, the, I know what you're saying. Where they're at, so they were. So it's kind of a little bit different. So the upper third of. 
Where I typically find the laurel thickets is going to be on like bluff edges. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? The lower, the lower part, the yeah. lower underneath that bluff edge. Fields up there on the upper, the military crest part. You've been. It could just depend on where you're at. You could have been 300 yards above it or something. Yeah. You know, and so that was where I've seen them deer at was the upper of a lower third. So. Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment, where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. You talk about clear cuts uh, again, um, and 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 I think you could you could talk about these laurel thickets in the same in the same way. A lot of times when I pick out a clear cut to hunt, I'm going to try to be on the downwind side of it, right? Like mm-hmm. Buck's going to cruise that downwind side of the thicket, which is usually the clear cut that I'm hunting. Whatever. I mean, it's pretty yeah. pretty entry level stuff when you're talking about the style right. of hunting right um you can do that the same with a greenfield or something like that yeah greenfields the laurel thickets you can find mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff jamie you said a lot about hunting clear cuts did you feel like that was the case or you felt like the bucks were actually just in the clear cut or in the the cutovers and the thick that well, thick growth browse i could find at the time but it was uh Hold on just a second. I think you're something having your mic. There you go. I guess that cable got a short in it. It's good now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I jumped in and out. That, that muzzleloader, I stayed in there, and then a couple of the hunts, I jumped back and forth. But, you know, if it wasn't working, I wouldn't stay in. Yeah, that buck I killed at Freedom Hills, I was, I was on a cut over edge. But the point that he come out of was like a hardwood point, and it was buttoned up against, cut over. So just kind of like a pinch edge. So, but just it just it cut over just for bucks to me is like you got to be the specific place and the specific one or maybe a specific elevation for bucks to me on cut over. It just ain't, ain't it's not every cut over, but. It has to line up just right. Yeah, like the terrain right feature yeah. with the be train mixed the edge, with yeah. cut over to me for bucks. So. I could absolutely see that. I mean, um, Mike, I know you, you talked a lot in the past about hunting creek crossings. It's always been a big thing for you. Um, how did that pan out this year? Well, it's that deer that I killed at, uh, at Freedom Hills. There was a creek down there. He could have crossed it coming up, and it most of the stuff I'm. I do is based on some kind of creek crossing. You don't want to find the tracks to get an idea of where they're going or to a different edge or something like that. So he has a very good chance he probably could have crossed the creek or other deer could cross the creek going by there. So that's that's very possible. The, the other one I killed at Oak Muggy was a swamp that had a small creek running through it and he crossed it. But it's just somewhere I could see tracks and just, and it's kind of historical way this these uh, fingers are that run into a swamp edge and the way they pinched down that they travel through where it killed a six point so was that the one was that the deer that was in the there was something significant about the tree that you shot it out of or something like that 
Now the other one, the Sal Murphy trap, kill like 17, 18 deer out of it. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Or something. Years ago, me and my dad, we went there, and we is a. You still hear some people talking about this tactic on some engineers. It's got a lot of roads. We got a lot of blocky dirt roads. You can go in there and say hour or two after daylight, drive around seeing where everybody's hunting at. Then even between your trucks, you're driving looking for tracks crossing. So we found two different places where deer had crossed in between like trucks. And Dad huh. dropped me off, and he went and checked some other than that. When I'm sneaking in, I jump some deer and watch where they go. And I go on down and find me a tree by a creek that had a two little finger things that come to it. And I climbed that tree, and I think the next day I killed the first bike or first buck I'd ever killed. So... Ever since then, if I go there, if I sign around there, I'm climbing that dang tree. So, so, so that was the that was you killed your first buck out of the tree that you killed yeah. this buck out of. Other day, yeah. And I hadn't been there. How many years later? I have to look. It's in the 80s, 80 something. I hadn't been there probably. I hadn't killed a deer out of there since 10 years. Last year was the first year I've been there in probably 10 years because I've been really? hunting other areas. So, but I drove down there last year and checked it out, scouted, and climbed up that tree, seen three deer. They done got by me. I couldn't shoot them. So it's a They've they they kind of raped the land a little bit. They you know they're supposed to live a SMZ pretty good. Well they they kind of messed this one up. They got over the over the line and it just just luck that it didn't cut this tree. And one side you can't see hardly you can hear them go by, but you can't see nothing but some hair every now and then. So but anyway, it's it's a good good pinch point that backs up to a swamp. And uh, I've I ain't no telling how many deer I've seen there. But most when I first started hunting there, we didn't care nothing about no antlers. You just whatever's legal if that shot sucker it. was legal it was getting shot so i think the best deer i've killed out there was a three and a half year old nine point so and that was a three and a half year old five or six point he was ready to fight you know good sized body he just didn't have no racks so, but he was ready to fight but it's them and if you find a place like that they can produce you know especially with a bunch of that land has a lot of cut over there but when a pine gets big enough to dang cut they're cutting them place and they're stripper off for miles so but uh i just it, them areas produce year after year and this just so happened i had a slow year early and uh, i got to go over there and get one so i know you've talked a lot about um in the past when you've been on podcasts it, it, it definitely seems like a lot of your the places that you're hunting are very historical like that you just kind of you really concentrate on that's something that especially in my home area i've drawn from you a lot of is like man you get a good a good handful of of yeah. areas with you know four or five spots you can yeah. hunt in that area then you pretty much can do that your whole season as long as it keep keeps producing right. did this year force you to maybe not do that as much or did you continue doing that well um, you got if you can find places that are producing it's got potential for a big buck historically or whatever learn that land the best you can and and, and kind of stick with it because if you get to jumping around too much you're going to outthink yourself i think so learn learn your land learn the time frame with the rut or if, if you're rut hunting if you're trying to get one you know early season or specific buck hunting you're gonna, you might have to get out more and find specific tracks to specific beds but during the rut the areas i hunt i learn is trying to catch where you got a chance of more than one buck so and i've said that many times so learn get you saying we're gonna say black warrior we're gonna say oak mogan you're gonna say sam murphy and freedom hill get you two or three spots per side to, per zone learn them all you can that's got potential for whatever type of deer it is you're can shoot you know and that's another thing is find out what's what the potential is you know if you want to shoot a 180 the chance of doing that at freedom hills is 
almost impossible. Black Warrior, possible. You know, Old Mogi, maybe. So, but in a couple other places, maybe. But the rest of them, you need to drop your standards on down to, say, a 120 is a daggum good deer. Most time, 110 inches is going to be a good deer. So, make sure of that and then, then learn them areas. You know, find out what your, what your goals are, what the potential is on the place you're going to hunt, learn that land, learn, and then every year, go back and, and broaden that a little bit, check out some new spots, then be ready to, you know, spot check a little bit right during the early season or right before season to make your plans. Uh, that's what I try to do because it, but, you know, going out of state, you can do things different, but it just depends on what you want to do. I know people that kill a big buck in one place and they won't go back to that place ever again. Their 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 goal is to go to a different place and kill a big buck. So, and that, that can be hard, you know, sometimes. It's tough, so, man. I know so. I, I get I get in that habit though i i do i find myself in that position a lot where man you just kind of just the curiosity in me i guess it's like man i know i killed this buck here i'm gonna leave that alone though mm -hmm. i'm gonna go try to find another spot i know that spot will produce i know it will so mm -hmm. i'm gonna go try to find another spot it'll produce man this is just wasn't the year for that kind of thing and i don't think <laughs> No, not like say at Black Warrior probably not because they you'd have to adjust some because it's probably in the same general mile and a half area yeah but you're just gonna have to adjust to what they're feeding on. That's so, right. So. I think that was that's important. It, just because you're not seeing deer in the spot that you've always hunted, like when I say the spot, I mean like the funnel or the right. tree or you know whatever. The deer are probably still somewhere around there. Oh, yeah. You know, we're not saying go. It, it's figuring out those areas right. and learning what they do. And then when you have years like this, man, just retain yeah. all that information. Right. You guys, y'all are. I know. I know you've caught some flack for this stuff. I don't know if you have nearly as much, but I get flack every year. Yeah. I, I, I told my wife I, at Murphy when I went to Murphy. I said, if I hope I kill a spike because I'm gonna. <laughs> Drag that thing from it. Sam Murphy side, take 20 pictures and put it on Facebook. <laughs> That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the signs. You got to talk about the book, too, because that, yeah. I've caught a lot of crap over that book, which you need to promote the book a little bit. But hey, but anyway, well, I, I, that picture on that book, we debated that hard because there's something. Man, you'd be crazy to put that. I said, but to me, the picture and the area where it come from, you know, they deserve it. The book deserved to be in the picture and the dang area that produced it but deserved to be in the picture to me. Why hide it to me? That's just me, but most people hate it. So. What do you think, Jamie? Oh, I don't try to get in front of it no more. <laughs> Golly, this mic is screwing up. Say that again. Sorry. Oh, I don't try to get in front of the sign that much no more. <laughs> yeah? No. You felt like you've seen some uh, some negative impact from it, from you doing it? Uh, I got I to say, this is one of my favorite parts about podcasting. I've seen podcasting. it been impacted this year. And in 2000, it was a lot of big deer shot, and it was impacted then. I, yeah. I, this is my favorite part about podcasting. When you can get in a room and people have differing opinions on something, it's like, I literally love this. Because I, for me... Uh, I, I think it makes you a better hunter. They cussed me up one side down the other for the last five years before I killed that you know, state record buck. So yeah. it didn't. I can say it didn't hurt me. You know, they could talk about it all they want to. Hey. I'll still put another deer in front of the sign. You know, <laughs> You'll keep but, doing it? I mean, I mean, it's going to be not, a thing till Mike Perry dies, yeah, I'll tell you well, that. I mean, I don't know that, but I'm just saying that you still got to do it you know, regardless. And that, that area has been known to produce big deer forever. I mean, just because I put it in front of a dang sign it, to prove it, 
Yeah. Don't mean, you know, I don't, I don't know. They, they, some people get butt hurt over it. It's crazy. But anyway. It did it did have less of an impact, I will say, probably uh, two years ago, three years ago, than it does now. More people know who you are. It, it carries a little more weight whenever you whenever you post that. I shot a buck. Um, i trying to remember which buck. It was the first buck I shot in Alabama this year, which was not a big deer at all. It was just one of those situations I was explaining on the podcast before. Major ground shrinkage, whatever. A buck that could any, – any WMA in the country, anywhere, that has whitetails, you could find a buck like this. And I posted this buck. And this guy was like, man, I'd do anything to kill a buck like that. Where'd you kill that deer at? What, what W made you kill that, kill that deer at? And I'm like, dang it, dude. Like this is, <laughs> it's yeah. the, we were talking about a, a young, really small seven point mm-hmm. that, and, and people want to know. So I can imagine you shoot a nearly 200 inch deer. It, you got, it's got to carry some weight, right? Like, is is there a part of you that Some feels? People, yeah, and I had I had a young guy last year. I went to Freedom Hills waiting on Charles to kill deer, and was waiting on him to bring it in. And a young guy come walking up, and he looked at me. He said, "Ain't you that guy that killed that big deer?" I said, "Yeah." <laughs> he said, "Is that your truck over there?" I said, "It's the only truck sitting here besides them game worn trucks." <laughs> okay, and left. All he was worried about was what kind of truck I had. What kind of truck? So I guess he's gonna hunt my truck. So, but anyway, and I have people do that, but I don't. Oh yeah. I can adjust it. So hey, I mean. You gotta be able to adjust to it, and I'm I'm kind of ready for it, I guess. So, but yeah, it doesn't it hadn't slows you down. I don't you, worry do you about feel it. like there's any? Uh, if you had to honestly look at it for you, do you feel like your hunting's been impacted negatively because of that pressure? No, no, nope. I feel that. Um, well, the acorn crop we had this year, it didn't really matter. Up. It didn't matter. <laughs> you should have. You should have just absolutely like last year just blown that which i guess that buck did kind of not blown out of proportion but everybody knew about that buck you know there was people traveling from all kinds of states to hunt that area and got their butts kicked this year probably yeah i've seen tags from tennessee i didn't get to see it but i was told about it kansas and florida and i was thinking the guy from kansas i was like yeah what was he thinking? Well, what are you well, doing Black here, Warrior, bro? That's kind of comparable. Yeah, I've seen an Iowa tag at Sam Murphy. Uh, I took a picture of it. That's kind of like, I don't know if I'd come to Sam Murphy, but but I've seen Iowa. Iowa State but, of course, if they're, done, if they're done in Iowa and they're coming for me to whatever, that's fine. So. That's a long ways to drive to come hunt Alabama. Hey, Dwight, my brother's archer shop. Anyway, he had a guy. He called him. He says, man, we got rear-ended yesterday, and I got back up in the tree down at Seven Mile Island, and I looked down. And undoubtedly, it shot his broadheads out of his quiver. Anyway, almost cut his one of his strings in two. Dangerous. And he's from Alaska. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if he come, come down, bought him on a camper, RV, or whatever. They down here in Alabama bow hunting. And hunting Seven Mile Island? He was on Seven Mile Island. Wow. And I told him, I said... That's a pretty good place to pick. I said, come from Alaska. Kicking in right now. And this was later January. Later yeah. January. So you need to head south. They're just now getting kicked up. Yeah. And uh, he fixed him back up because Alaska. he makes us couples of strings on the spot. Had him fixed up in about 30 minutes. Well, that's good. Yeah. Man, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm, I'm, I ain't going to edit out all the, the WMA names. 
Yeah, Y'all just keep talking about that way. They're all that way. They're all equal. We talk. We don't talk about every WMA in Alabama. Well, there's a bunch of them. That that that's one thing I'm kind of proud of this year. That's the fifth different man there that I've killed a eight pointer bigger on. That's cool. You know, so uh, the oh, Freedom Hills. There's, Hill a, there's deer, a lot so. of them I like to go to. Right. It's mm-hmm. just because social media. Man, there's several. Oh, down you see south some walkers here. Yeah. Some bruisers. Yeah. And I just either I'm tagged out or or. Right. I'm so burnt out time late January rolls around. I don't want to head that far down, but yeah. uh, it's just, we it, got some up here north of Alabama. I'm kind of partial to, and I want to go like Murphy. Well, I let one go this time. I saw, when he turned his head and looked at me, it's high and tight, and I was like, I ain't shooting that deer. I let him go. He's and the following week. Man, we're different. We are different. The following week, I told my brother, I said, if it's the same one you killed, I'm glad I let him go. But if it's not, I'm still happy with the decision I made to letting him go. But uh ended up being a really good deer for him. Well, for anybody. I yeah, mean, he turned deer. out being a yeah. lot nicer if it's the same deer. I just know when he looked at me, it was really tight. It's a, it's a tough thing on public land and in certain situations. To make sometimes you, you ain't get, got a few seconds to make your mind sometimes up. Sometimes you get burnt. You're like, man, yeah. I, yeah. I think I'm going <laughs> to let him go. Yeah. And then Dude. later... I let one at a hunting club go a couple of year ago. Had him at 60 yards broadside, split G2s. I said, ah, I'm going to let him go. I text my buddy. He said, what do you think he'd go? I said, I ah, might go 125. Man, you should have shot that deer. An hour later, he come up, and he's walking a skitter trail to me. And, and when he was swapping ruts, I pulled the trigger, and I seen him rear up my scope and turn and run off. Caught my phone while going to the truck. I said, man, I just shot a pretty good buck. He said, I said, starting to dribble, I'm going to sit in the truck, man. You better get on that blood. You're going to lose him. And my exact words, with a shot like that, he's not going far. <laughs> well, he come up, helped me look. I looked that night. I hit vacation that week. I looked all week, looked every buzzard I seen flying. I found a, a doe that had been shot with a rage. Or, well, let me take it back. Now, maybe not a rage, a two-blade broadhead, expandable. I found a calf thrown out in a cutover, and then... Uh, a guy was a deer farmer it was in the club he killed him that Thursday and I shot him right across the bridge of the nose right below the eye as soon as he stepped in the scope and that left pulled the trigger and he measured him at 139 and some change uh-huh. <laughs> that hurt oh, I guarantee yeah. this old boy it ain't passing hurts. no 120 because my buddy that still had the club he they had a deer that was coming to a feeder they was taking had pictures of sent to me and he had split twos and maybe another they say, looks familiar, don't he? I was like, <laughs> still hurts. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Damn well, good. man, it, it was a it was a interesting year. At, like I said before, I, I used you guys as a gauge all season long. Like, man, it's... and then Jamie goes off and kills kills them on back to back days, and I was like, one hundred and thirty, one thirty two and four inch. Yeah, one hundred and thirty two inch eight point is a. That's a good. That's a nice buck, man. No credit to me, man. I got invited on this hunt. My buddy scouted the area out, seen a really good buck over that he wanted to hunt, and he come help me that that Friday evening get the deer out that I shot. When I'm coming out, I'm like man, I, I my phone went dead. I was like, man, I hope he comes over and checks on me. When I topped that rise, I seen him fog lights burning on that truck. I said, oh, yes. <laughs> so 
I've got to do something different because it's mile and a half in, mile and a half out, mile and a half back in, mile and a half out. That's six miles that evening. Okay, he says, well, you going to go with me in the morning? I'm going to hunt that big deer. I said, uh, you got the boys rest of the weekend, don't you? He said, yeah, because that'd be the only day we'll go over and hunt us because I was wanting to hit some more. I said, yeah, I'll go with you. So on Onyx, we didn't have no signal to drop a pin for me to go. So we finally compared them up and uh, put it on the terrain feature so we can match up terrain. That way we know we're looking at the right spot. And he done the same thing that I done to him a couple of years ago. He punched my phone. He said, Climb someone right in there. You should be able to see two draws. So, man, I'm going in there, and I'm walking, and I'm looking at this pen, and I'm walking. I cut my headlamp off. I'm looking at the tree lines. I walk. I look, and I'm looking. I said, man, I don't see two draws. And I keep walking. And I said, well, that kind of looks like a point going down there. So I cross the top of the ridge, and the moon's bright at night, or not night, that next uh, during the night or whatever. And I'm saying, man, that looks like a draw right there. I believe that's that shark fin in this terrain feature here I'm going to climb a tree now going back like you're blind rattling and it, it come back to you okay I'm sitting up there in this tree ain't got a clue where I'm at I can call I grunt every so often but leading into that like on one of the other hunts he gave me a bottle of that native scent the war party I think and I'm not big on scent because I've always had horror stories. Well, I'm walking down that draw on a hunt before, and I'm spraying on some of the scrapes walking down. And I'm talking about some sure enough rubs. And right before dark, I had a spike walking top of the bluff, and he stops dead in his tracks. He throws his nose up, he goes all the way up the draws. And I was like, man, this is native sense too. And I was like, hmm. He picked this up from a long ways and walked all the uh -huh. way up the draw trying to figure this out. So, okay, well, my spark bottle messed up on me. So now I'm going back to the hunt where I killed the big eight. Uh, uh, and I I done got it all over my hand that one day because it went missed out. It just run down the bottle. I said, crap. I said, I'm taking in this morning. I put it in my shirt pocket, tore me off two pieces of toilet paper, stuck in my pocket. I said, when I find me a tree to climb... So I pick me a tree out to climb. I walk over. I put one toilet paper out. I take the left. I said, I'm not bringing this back out. I pour one out on one, pour it out on the other. All oh, well, it slipped out of my fingers. It's like, man, sure I didn't get that on my boot. Well, later when I got home at night, I smelled my boot, and it's covered in <laughs> urine. But. So I'm sitting up in the tree. I'm can calling. I'm grunting ever so often. I think it was 8:30, and I look up, and this deer's coming, side hilling. Anyway, I shoot him, but I'm like, I don't know if he smelt the scent and the combination with can calling and grunting brought him in. I don't know. Mm. Huh. No different than rattling early season. Yeah. If you don't try nothing. Right. I heard this this weekend. I'm sitting there watching. It's a video podcast. I think it's... Oh... Uh, White, uh, public land whitetails, that's what it is. And I was telling Michael about it. But anyway, this guy says, no balls, no bugs. <laughs> if you're not going to try nothing. Randall Eric. <laughs> you may not get Was nothing. that Randall that yeah. said that? Yeah. You know, so if you're not willing to try something. Man, I agree with that. And you, yeah. You'd liable to not see nothing. That's exactly right. I was talking to, uh, y'all know who Andy May is. Yeah. Uh, around Michigan. Um, really good. I mean, one of the 
greatest whitetail hunters there is. <clears throat> yep, that's right. I was talking to him at uh, ATA a couple years back, maybe three years. It's the only time I've ever been to ATA, and uh, we we're hanging out talking. And I was like, "Man, what you do is is just so cool." Like we weren't doing a podcast or anything; we were just hanging out. And he talked about how when he was younger, when he first started hunting, I mean, he was going in and basically he was seeing how close he could get without getting busted like really really risky stuff uh, but it taught him how close he could get without getting busted right? right right sometimes you can get a whole lot closer you take those risks like that it goes back to that no balls no bucks like man if you're not willing to maybe try something a little bit unconventional uh you you may still kill bucks every once in a while but and i feel so my dynamic the last two years has been a little bit different than it was before um the last two seasons i've been self-employed working for myself i can hunt whenever i want and so i've actually found that it's hurt me to be able to hunt so much because i play a little bit too safe i don't get aggressive as i should whenever i just have maybe two or three days a week to hunt i'm trying to take advantage of those two or three days all week long i'm thinking all right the wind's going to be supposed to be from here how am i going to blah blah whatever but now that i pretty much can hunt five six days a week it's pretty much the night before i'm like okay where am i gonna go you know and and i'm and i'm like well it's only tuesday i don't want to wear myself out and get over here when i really need to be getting over there probably by like friday i can if i if nothing's happened i can push in a little bit deeper whereas before i wouldn't be going out until friday and i'd be like i'm gonna go way the heck back here um and it, it that's definitely a that being aggressive, making those decisions, is sometimes you make better decisions if you'll hunt less, less days, and you're rested. Yeah. That's a yeah. that's a big part of it. Because sometimes you hunt three days in a row in steep country, you're freaking beat. <laughs> it, it, it ain't fun at that point. It's like it's like I'm more out. Like every morning I gotta wake up at two o'clock. You know why do I love this sport so much? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three days of three days solid of hunting it, it'll right. wear you out and so um that's that was something i learned this year i think i'm gonna try to implement that for sure is be it i mean i, I may even thanks rendell for that quote because i may print it out and you know how football players will slap a sign on the locker room yeah i'm gonna put it on my garage door no balls no bucks yeah. and just there slap that every yeah. time on the way out Go on there and push the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Because he's an envelope pusher. He does. He, there's no doubt. So he's pretty – he's a very successful That spot there was hunter. two and a half in, two and a half out, two and a half back <laughs> in, two and a half out. You're talking about some more out boys. <laughs> he's going to buy you a couple more Come beer on. carts and have them staged out. <laughs> no. Because when we first took off, he's like, you got a backpack on. I got a backpack. He said, let's quarter this deer up. Ah. Man, I ain't throwing another backpack away. I said, the one I got for quarter, and I said, it will stay in the truck next year. Mm-hmm. So I may quarter mine up next year if I'm in there deep. All depends on what he looks like. Have you done I, it before? Yeah. It's well, so I much can better. Get, I can get all you. Now, now with cell phones, never done it. cell phones and timers, you can get all the field pictures you want so you ain't got to come out and get somebody to do all this for you you can prop it stand up oh no, you gotta it take right. it in front of the sign jamie yeah i was about to say mike <laughs> mike takes it 
Yeah. He, he will not pack out a deer because I'm he's got to get that side picture. I'm dragging him for 10 hours to get that, to get that side picture. <laughs> if Kevin's there, I'll be in front of the sign. If Kevin's not there, what? Uh, anyway, yeah. I'll tell you later. <laughs> oh, man. Well, fellas, we're running up on time. I enjoyed the heck out of this. That was fun. That was fun, yes. And, you know, I mean, Kathy does not ever disappoint with snacks. You missed out on the chili. And though. I missed out on the chili because I just ate, but I'm – I'm about to wear out some of this. Uh, now, is this Weaver's? Is this Weaver's, deer? Weaver's ring bologna, yeah. That's good stuff right there. It is great, yes. I ain't found nothing bad from that place yet. That's I awesome. I'm curious. But I need to call them and see how many, because the other day there were 4,500 or 4,600 or something, 4,600 or something like that. So Pablo brought me some, uh, which, by the way, Pablo – this this man is a gift giver. Oh, you got it. He brings me something every single time I see him. He brought me, I mean, I've I killed like 10 deer this year, and well, he's crap, bringing me he, deer meat. He killed six or something, <laughs> did he? a bunch of them. Uh, yeah. Uh, you talk about dragging a deer a long ways. That son of a gun went like a mile and a half out there and shot a doe <laughs> and uh, chug her back. Hey, that's fire it, right there. That's when, I was younger, when I was younger, I've done it. Man, I've yeah. done it with a muzzleloader <laughs> hunt, and it come a storm. It was raining so hard, which I had my deer card. I was like, man, I could go home, get my boy. We come back out. By the time I do all that and get back out, I get it out by myself. And it was raining so hard. All I could do was look and make sure I was still on the gravel and walk. It's how hard it was raining. And I'm thinking, for a doe. <laughs> but I wanted to kill one with my muzzleloader. Sometimes you want to kill them that bad, yeah. you know? I've I have I, I have thinking. worked I hard way back in there. <laughs> I've worked hard for some does, yeah. especially those early season ones when you're like, man, I ain't killed a deer in almost a year. Like I will work hard for this one. I've got to get out of that mode of, man, this is right here. I believe I'm gonna kill a buck. Right, I ain't shooting that doe. That's my bait. Yeah. Man, I passed up on a couple where I could have killed with a bow, and now I look back and like, man, I like to kill deer with a bow. You know, it's and, fun. And then. Anyway, it's hard for me to do it at Black Warhouse, like because I don't, I don't want to get them spooky or anything. I, I'd rather them does be relaxed, so I just, man, unless I'm hunting some edge far away or something, but I just don't want to mess them up because it's so close. Most of the time, right. it's some so of, close. Some of them get close no, to I ain't shooting them with my bow, but so. if I hit a field or something like that, I might yeah. take one here or there. But I can see that in uh, a lot of the places that y'all hunt because it really is low deer density, mm-hmm. but. Other parts of the state, man, like I've got places where I hunt that you could go out there, maybe not this year, but in years past, you go out there any morning, any clear, cool morning in October, and you'll see 15 does. Wow. And you absolutely got to kill them. I, you know, what's funny about that spot is uh, I've only ever killed one buck in this spot. Um, and it's without a doubt the most deer dense area that I hunt. That's why I kill. I mean, I kill a bunch of does off of that little piece of that that small little piece of property during yeah, the early sound season. Like you need to kill them. Yeah, yeah, you got to. If you thin them down, then you'll see more bucks. Man, that's my hope and prayer. Cool, fellas. Appreciate you guys coming on, and I think we need to do this again next year. Hey, y'all buy my book, please. Yeah, go buy go buy one of them books. <laughs> where can where can they buy it at? Amazon, of course, and uh, Vans. Sporting Goods and Coleman, Weaver's Meat Processing, and Harsel. So, right now, that's the three places. Is there any or me? Is, tell me, is there is there any way anywhere somebody can get a signed copy? 
I've had people uh, mail me checks, and I've done it. So, and uh, I don't have any out put out anywhere signed. Um, I'll be at uh, I'll be walking around at the Nashville Wild Turkey Expo with some. I'll be at the SCI show in Nashville. We'll be at Birmingham. So I don't think I'll be at the Buckmaster this year because I have to take vacation again. I don't want to get into yeah. my deer hunting days too much, but yeah. Or I mean, I, I've met people, get them to them. So anyway, if you want one signed, whatever, just holler at me. We'll figure something out. That's not a big deal. We can do that. So. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me about NWTF. It's going to be coming up this weekend as this podcast drops. Yeah. The day that this podcast drops, oh, really? we'll be at uh, we'll be at NWTF. If you're at NWTF, um, I'm going to be around somewhere. I'm going to be at the New Canoe Product Showcase a lot Sweet. and hanging out there. Uh, trying to record some podcasts, so if you see me, say hi. And see I Mike, want to say tell hi. everybody I appreciate the people that bought the book, so that's a lot. So that's, that's helped out a lot, and I was proud to see what people are thinking, Jamie. I really <laughs> yeah. appreciate it. Y'all yeah. didn't know this, but Jamie was actually the, the writer. Mike's just the ghost writer of the book, yeah, right? Yeah, just ghost writer. <laughs> we call it Jamie's information. Yeah. <laughs> it's a combined effort. Fellas, appreciate y'all. Thank you, buddy. Glad y'all had a good season. It was awesome. Thanks, sir. You too. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. And as always, a big shout-out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Tethered, Spartan Forge, and Six Day Grind Coffee Company. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.